But I can't remember what your over and under was. Uh, shit, I don't know. <laughs> Dude, that just sounded ultra creepy. <laughs> My big long sigh. Yeah, it was like, uh, I'm behind you, gonna kill you, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, that is kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the R&R CatCast. Coming to you from the state of Washington, as always. always representing Spokane over here. This is Ryan, joined by my other co-host, Ryan. How are you doing, Thorny? I'm good, and I want to uh, expand upon our last point that we might be the fourth best Montana State Bobcat podcast, but I'm pretty sure we're the number one podcast produced in the state of washington pertaining to bobcat football absolutely (laughs) and if there's any competitors out there you're going down yeah absolutely (laughs) right on buddy what are you drinking tonight i have a trader joe's blonde ale it's called the audacitor i think it's how you pronounce it i have no idea and it says it's an abbey style beer which i also don't know what that means but i assume it's like a belgian beer um it's pretty good seven and a half percent alcohol very kind of fruity citrusy maybe a hint of like a champagne in there it's uh it's pretty good i had no idea what i was getting into but you know it tastes pretty good for a blonde not bad (laughs) you don't necessarily pair a blonde with like seven and a half percent alcohol no no it's got it's really smooth you would never guess there's much that much uh alcohol content in there and it came in a big bottle and adds had a little twist top cork on the top so you know, Trader Joe's went all out on that one. Fancy, fancy. Yeah, the Montana folk might not even know what Trader Joe's is. Is there Trader Joe's in Montana? That I'm not sure. I have no idea. Um, it's kind of it's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was thinking back when you were introducing your beer uh, last last week. Uh, it just made made me laugh when you were introducing. I think it was called Dark the Darkness. <laughs> you were dark. Yeah, dark darkness, which I I'm still finishing off here. It's it's pretty good. I would get it again. <laughs> oh, I, I listened back to our episode and when you said that, I was just like laughing out loud. Just the the name of that beer and the way you introduced it was just cracking me up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's part of the reason I bought it. Pretty entertaining name. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are you drinking here tonight, Ryan? One of my favorite beers of all time, um, the Sierra Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Uh, just standard green can or a green bottle in this case. But like I said, it's ubiquitous. You can find it everywhere, but it's just delicious. So always oh, a classic. It, yeah. It seems to be one of the beers I drink kind of like in celebration. Um, although I'm not celebrating anything tonight, it seems to be one of the things that I turn to like after like a good day of skiing or like a epic run or you know, something like that. A good time with a friend. So maybe a Bobcat victory. There you possibly. go. There you go. Tell See, us. that's, that's why you're drinking it. You just didn't know it. So tell us about that Bobcat victory. Well, the cats came out on fire, uh, took it to Cal Poly right off the start. Uh, cats end up winning 49, 42, just throwing that out there right now. Um, cats, what do we rush? Let me get the stats here. Yeah. Rushed for 430 yards, which I, I heard is like the fourth or fifth highest total in school history. Uh, much A lot of that was in the first half. Uh, we ended up with like 23 first downs, I believe, um, which is like maybe the second straight game we've had 20 first downs, which is trending, as they like to say. We're trending in the right direction and actually 
getting some sustained drives. Um, we were up 42-14 in the third <laughs> quarter. And uh, if you, you wouldn't guess that the score ended up being 49-42. And I'm pretty glad that that game ended because I think a few more minutes, five more minutes, and uh, we might have a different outcome there. We were really struggling down the end. Uh, clearly, Joe Prothrow and the uh, Cal Poly uh, rushing attack had just taken their toll on our defense. I know we were subbing out young guys there a little bit, but uh, they were just running all over us there at the end. I don't think we would have stopped them again. I don't think we would have stopped them one more time if we had to. So glad the game ended when it did. Um, impressive performance by the offense, uh, offensive line, Isaiah and Fonze had a career day. And um, I mean, that's all I really want to talk about from a statistical standpoint. So let's get into the details. What did you think of the game? Well, I kept thinking about what you were just talking about on the fourth quarter and how Cal Poly was um, making a comeback. They obviously scored 21 points on us in the fourth quarter. Uh, I was really pissed off uh, during the game. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember texting you and I was just, my wife came home from somewhere. I don't even remember, but she's like, why are you so mad? You guys won. And I was just like, well, we almost lost it at the end. But you know, having looked back of after a couple of days now, I don't seem I don't seem as mad. It seems to me like we, well, for one, I don't think in the Chote era we've ever been up that big before, and so I don't know if, if we knew how to handle it. <laughs> kind of that gravity of that moment. No, the only other game I could think of that we had a pretty big lead was, uh, was it North Dakota last year? Mm -hmm. That's the one that came to my mind too. Yeah. But another thing that I kept thinking about is kind of what Choke said today is we probably just was getting a little bit tired (laughs) of, of the Cal Poly option. It's like, it's almost like death by a thousand paper cuts and they're just going to keep coming at you, keep coming at you. And sooner or later, it's just, it's going to get you. And uh, I think Coulter did a nice job of talking about it in his ESPN today. He's like, you know, I can't remember the statistics he quoted, but MSU would have had, you know, if they limited the big plays from Cal Poly, they might have cut our the rushing in, in half. I think Cal Poly had 369 yards of rushing, and that's still, like he said, like 10 below their average. But you take away, like, Pro Throw's 75-yard run, late in the fourth quarter. And I think Jenkins had a 25 yard run, maybe once or twice. And, you know, that's, that's 125 yards right there that you can just tick off the board on three plays. So I don't know. I just think we just got tired there at the very end. And uh, we didn't have um, the guys that uh, needed to come in as far as like the second level defense. I don't think they stepped up to, to the task as we needed it so no they kind of faltered down down at the end here but let's kind of i don't know you want you want to kind of just run through the game a little chronologically here so um i always like to kind of do that so we started off you know opening possession is that two straight games where we scored on a touchdown on an opening possession yeah so that's nice because we didn't give up we in a previous uh, podcast you had talked about how we had given up a score yeah. And negated our seven point home home field advantage. So that has not been the case the last two weeks. No, and I guess you think about that, we won by seven points. So thank you, seven point home field advantage, I guess. Uh but uh 
So we yeah, we scored on did we end up punting in the first half? Like I'm I'm having a hard time conjuring up this game, even though I watched the entire game here. But coming out against a team like Cal Poly, scoring seven points, even better, 14 points, making a team like that play from behind, try like they kept doing what they always do, give them credit, because Cal Poly, Tim Walsh is a is a disciplined enough team to know we're down 21 points. They're going to keep doing the same thing. Like they're not going to start throwing until they absolutely have to. It's still the first quarter. They're going to keep doing their stuff. And that, that paid dividends for them later because they kept pounding and pounding and pounding, chipping away. And then they really exploded there in the fourth quarter. But well, that's why it was so important to get up 14 points right off the bat, because I don't, I, I don't know the stats on Cal Poly. I assume a team like that probably does have a good fourth quarter track record. I, I don't have any stats to back that up, but it was just, it was really nice to see us come out um, out of the gate and look so sharp again. Um, I don't know if you credit Matt Miller on the game plan or calling in the middle, like during the game, but we just came out of the gate really hot and it was really good to see. We scored 14 points in the first quarter, second quarter and third quarter in seven in, in the last quarter. I think that was largely due to the fact that Troy Anderson was a little hobbled up and uh, we pulled Infonse at the very end. And I think we were just hanging on for that at that point. I was looking at it and Infonse, his last carry came in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. I, I, so he didn't even play in the fourth quarter. So mm-hmm. I don't know what sc- what the score was when he came out, but it, it's interesting that Choate would make like, okay, so I Afonso had a career day. He had what, 100 and 60, 70, I don't know what the stats were. By halftime, he was <laughs> he was having just an amazing day, just long touchdown runs. And I've, I've heard some criticism saying that he's not that fast, but I haven't seen him getting, I don't, I don't see, I've seen anybody chase him down on a long run yet. So he's, he's fast enough. He's plenty fast, but getting back to the point here. So Choate pulls him because he's hobbled. We don't think we need him. So why does he keep Troy Anderson in the game when Troy is hobbled and we probably don't need him either. Now, now I know he did it because Cal Poly kept getting closer than he felt like he was comfortable with, but 42, 14, like how much more comfortable do you need to be before you pull, pull your starting quarterback? That's the only criticism I had of the entire game is I couldn't put my, I couldn't wrap my head around that. And I don't know. I don't know if you if he thinks that Bowman couldn't manufacture the point. I mean, I think if we put Bowman back there, we just need to continue to hand off the ball, you know. And I got really upset um, when we put Troy back in there, and then like one series in the fourth quarter, I believe, we go first down pass, and then we end up going three and out in that in that uh, that play calling section. Do you remember that series? I do. Yeah, that's even more confounding is like <laughs> all right well you're leaving troy in I, I get it we need to keep putting on points we can't really let off the gas here but then you do a pass play and he you know he looked pretty good out of the gate but he looked pretty bad down the stretch throwing the ball i think he threw one right in the dirt uh <laughs> he just didn't look so good so i don't understand at that point why we why we weren't just running it against the defensive line that we had been dominating all day so just give it to logan jones give it to Bring in Carl Tucker. Just just keep pounding it, pounding it. Like that was just a that was a strange play call. Like I, I'm not so opposed to the fact that he kept trying the game. 
as, as much as I am, is that just why, why did we even try and do anything different? Well, that too. So that came, I believe, like we were up 21 points, seven minutes left in the game. We're 49-28. Troy Anderson had just hobbled his way to a 49-year-old or 49-yard touchdown. And by hobbled, I mean he was still faster <laughs> than most everybody on the field with the bum. Was that the was that the sideline one where he went, ran up the sideline? No, he went straight down the middle of the field. Okay. I couldn't remember because I was listening to the to the uh, presser today, or maybe it was the post game presser with Troy Anderson, and he said he actually kind of tweaked himself celebrating that touchdown against on the sideline where he jumped and like did that, you know, the jumping celebration with Lance McCutcheon, and he came down and kind of tweaked his, his his leg. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, wow, oh, this is kind of it's kind of how it goes. But uh, go ahead. So, yeah, continue. no. So it just it just. <laughs> flabbergasted me that after that we come out and then we go three and out starting with the pass i'm like why are we not trying to run out the clock at this point (laughs) you know and it just seemed to me like shades of uh of the weaver game coming (laughs) flooding back into my memory of going why are we passing right here on first down with troy anderson (laughs) on our 25 yard line when we have you know seven and change left and we're up 21 we should be running and bleeding the clock on every possession every snap of the ball it made no sense and so i was like i was really ticked off at that point i think that was the height of my rage (laughs) was when that happened so well it was this game too you had texted me like um troy had a big rollout took like a huge sack was that this game or was that the isu game Oh, I, I assume he took a big sack for sure. But yeah, I mean, you, why do you have Troy Anderson ten yards behind the line of scrimmage? Oh, whether no, he's yeah. rolling out, whether it's a deep drop, like we got in like just, a second and twenty-three. Yeah, we can't overcome that kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> I, I like getting him out of the pocket, like rolling him out, but not that deep. He or maybe that's Troy went further back than he was supposed to. I don't know, but it's just. Oh, you with our offense, we just can't afford negative plays like ever. We just can't. So you can't have him going that far back and trying to have him do typical quarterback things like that. Yeah, he's not a typical quarterback. No, he's not. He was taking he, like a 10-step drop, and then he was like one-on-one with a linebacker, and the linebacker got him. <laughs> and I was like, how do you – you're Troy Anderson. You just – just stiff arm him or do your Troy thing and get around him. Like, is, is that the one where I texted you that, like, oh, Troy looked like he got cocky on that one? Yeah. Like, he's just like, yeah, this guy's not going to tackle me. He's like, oh, <laughs> crap, he got me. <laughs> he just looked like he was waiting way too long to the last second, and he actually got tackled. But um, You know, I do have a critique on Troy right there. So in the times where we are, he's obviously looking to pass, there's so many times when there's so much – like field in front of him <laughs> that his eyes are so fixed downfield. It seems <laughs> that he's ignoring the fact that he could easily do a 30 yard gain just by galloping <laughs> in like one direction or the other. It's, I mean, it's Troy not being a true quarterback. I mean, God bless him for the services he's done for us this year, but it's just, you know, I didn't really, I didn't notice any of this game. I noticed several in the ISU game, but I didn't really notice any 
plays like that. I mean, he only threw, what, seven passes or whatever all game. So, I don't know. I didn't really notice that. I'm glad to see that we didn't run him to death, though. Like, this is probably the least amount of carries he's had in a while, in a while right? For sure. I mean, why would you run him when Infonse is just carrying it up? I mean, that's just silly. Yeah, he only had seven carries, 104 yards on seven carries, I might add. <laughs> he actually upped his season average now because he averaged 14.9 yards a carry against Cal Poly. He's going to, like, break the Montana State single-season yards per carry record. And it's not its not like he just took 20 carries, like, got just enough to qualify for the stat. <laughs> he's, he's ran the ball quite a few times to get that statistic. That's it's pretty impressive. Yeah, he's been it, – it's been such a weird – uh, weird season to watch and knowing now that coming to the grips that, you know, Troy's going to be our quarterback. That was really hard for me to <laughs> like, that's a really hard pill for me to swallow. But now that I've swallowed it, you know, I can appreciate more of what he is and what he brings to the table. And it is cool to see him get better weekend and week out. But then again, like last week, you know, so, he had some of his limitations with passing that reared its head again and just kind of reminds you of just how shortcoming our quarterback um, production has been this year. So, well, I had wanted to, this I think is a good time to talk about. So we, we always, you and I talk about things aren't as good as they seem. Things aren't as bad as they seem. You call it kind of fool's gold in some way. I kind of think our rushing performance here against Cal Poly was a little bit of fool's gold. The offensive line looks great. He had big holes. Afonso was just bursting through there, and there was nobody there. It's just I don't – Cal Poly's defense, rushing defense, is atrocious. Their defensive line is small. Um, we were ready for it. We choked admit as much. He saw some stuff that he could exploit, and Pauly never really adjusted, so we just did it over and over and over again until we decided to throw the ball to Trey Anderson for no apparent reason. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> um I just don't think it's. It was really fun to watch, and it was a good feeling to see us just just Ifonze, you know, counter inside a little zone, just burst through the hole, uh, big huge holes being opened up by those guys. Because uh, Tui Sissopo didn't play today. I, I think he might be nursing a little bit of an injury, so I think Zach Red stepped in there and they reshuffled a little bit. It was a. They looked good. Like I'm not trying to take anything away from them. It might be one of our best uh, combinations of linemen that we have. Because it's always hard to say. It seems to be always shuffling around, and you never know, like, what the best combination of those guys is because we have five, six, or six or seven guys who can really play. I think right now, but um, I just don't think we can be that excited about that performance. And on the flip side, um, I don't think we can be that depressed about uh, the defense faltering down at the end because I know we were subbing guys in and out all game long, and we put in some backup guys there, and they got just torched real fast. So, I mean, that could that partially led to the fact that Troy had to stay in. But I think our defense on the whole played really well. I wouldn't be too concerned about that last half, or last quarter. How, how do you feel about uh, both of those, offense, defense, good or bad? So offense, uh, one thing that I was really excited about on the offense is the way Infonse approaches his runs. And I hate the Steelers, but Le- Le'Veon Bell is um, – one of the best running backs I've seen. And if you watch him take the ball, he he's slow at getting the handoff 
but he's in slow intentionally because he's waiting for the play to develop. And I saw that in, in Fonte this week. I was like, whoa, that's neat. He wasn't just attacking the the ball from Troy's hand and then just, you know, pushing it into the line. You you see the pause there. He's seeing the field and then he takes it and then he picks his spot and then goes. So I thought that was like for a young guy, I thought that was really mature uh vision. And so I was really really pleased with that. I agree. No, he's definitely running way beyond his true freshman. He's only a true freshman. It's not even like a redshirt freshman. He's running beyond his years there, his patience and his vision. Mm-hmm. Well, as far as the defense, as mad as I was uh, on Saturday watching <laughs> the fourth quarter, uh, in hindsight, now sitting here on Monday, Monday night, I'm not nearly as mad. I think um, – I mean, looking back, we had the game in hand the whole time. Uh, A series of unfortunate events led to pretty much 21 points for um, Cal Poly within a short amount of time. I mean, if Padmas doesn't shank that punt (laughs) on the very last possession we had, they don't score. Um, That's a 14-point win for us. But he does, you know, I mean, so there's those little things that just happens. And Jenkins, their quarterback, man, he had, when they got down to the red zone, I don't know if you noticed this, Thorny, when they were like first and goal or second and goal somewhere in there, he would just like take the, the handoff and he would shuffle his feet backwards a little bit. He would kind of like um, come back from the line, watch it open up, and then he would just go full steam ahead and get – um you know, get the touchdown. He was he was amazing on the goal line. It wasn't even the pro throw show down there. It was the Jenkins show. I was no, I mean, super impressed with him. Yeah, you want to talk about patience. He would just wait for all those blocks to develop, find a little hole, and just, yeah, yeah, he's he's shifty. He's kind of, he's like a little point guard back there, just waiting for the play to develop and just uh, picks a spot. Yeah, I mean, he converted so many uh, third and fives and third and sixes for them. Uh, it was so frustrating at the time watching this. Uh, it seemed like every time we got them, not every time, that's a hyperbole, but you know, when we get them into a third and long, man, they converted a lot of them. So I just had a really terrifying thought. Can you imagine if Chris Murray had ended up at Cal Poly? (laughs) Him and Jenkins are essentially the same player. They are similar, but Murray has much better open field skills. Yeah, that's true. Just, just, just thought like he's he's gonna take that little ten yard gain that Jenkins might have and probably score like a forty yard touchdown instead. Do you think so, Murray? Anyway. Do you think Murray's gonna play for the Bobcats again? I do. I I don't know if he'll be quarterback. Um, he's gonna be on the team. I, I I have faith that he's gonna come back. I don't know why I think that. I'm probably um, have a kind of soft spot because I kind of went through some similar things where school just wasn't working out. Took some time off. Actually came back and did really well when I came back. So I, 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 people can do it. People can uh, get out of school and come back and still succeed. And I, I think he's got the determination. I think, I don't think he's going to let it uh, bring him down. I don't know if he'll come back as a scholarship. He'll probably have to walk his way back on and we might end up using him kind of like we're using Travis Johnson this year. Um, there's also a very likely possibility that he comes in and wins a starting job again. Who knows? You know, just, uh, I think he'll be back. I do too. Um, I don't think – I think we're going in a different direction next year with our quarterback. I think it's uh, clearly going to be Rovig or Bowman 
in this point. And I think that's uh, uh, we want the, that play action type of quarterback uh, with the ability to run downhill in the run game and, you know, lining up uh, Chris Murray on maybe the outside or in some diamond packages in the backfield with, can, can you imagine that or in the backfield with running back with uh, Troy Anderson? So you could have, you could have, let's see, um, Rovig at your quarterback, diamond package. Let's go Logan Jones, Troy Anderson, or no, Infonse, uh, Troy Anderson, and Chris Murray all in the same backfield. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty enticing thing. Where did the diamond formation go this year? I really liked what we did last year at the diamond formation. Yeah, I, 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 I might be wrong. And I hate saying that I've been listening back a lot and I say that a lot, but I think we've run it twice or a couple of times, a handful of times, but not nearly as much as we used to. No, I remember, uh, Nicholas Sane's big, huge, um, that run he had at cat Grizz a couple of years ago where he like just went down the left sideline and just like mowed over some Grizz defenders that was out of the diamond formation. So anyway, you know, you mentioned Travis Johnson, and I had in my notes that I just wanted to give that guy props. Coming in to, I remember uh, coming into the season when we picked him up, you know, and it comes out on Skyline and credit Coulter for all of his good work in Brooks, and and that's something I want to get back to. Remind me to talk about Brooks a little bit later on because I think his insights have been just spot on. Getting back to Johnson, when I saw that, uh, you know, his arc of coming here from his story from Oregon being just this highly touted player, and then he breaks his foot, I was just like, this guy's just going to flame out. I'm like, he was such a highly recruited player, he's not going to buy in. Like, I mean, he's probably just just here to you know, stop gap, you know, just wants to play football, but then breaks his foot, you know, early on to see kind of how he has progressed, how he's such a team player um, and is accepted his role and starting to flourish in his role. That is a huge surprise to me because honestly, I kind of written him off early on. I just didn't think he would pan out, but uh, very, very pleased him and um, Jacque Allen. I've been more surprised about than any, any um, players this season. So. Yeah. Kind of opposite ways to come to being impressed because um, so Johnson, obviously a very high profile quarterback coming at, into Montana state. Um, I had watched some of his highlights and not, I'm not going to lie. I was a little concerned. Usually highlight packages look like the guy's a world beater, but his, he, I watched like his spring scrimmage at Oregon, the video on that. He was doing the same thing kind of did here, just throwing balls in the dirt, kind of just not being real accurate. So I was a little hesitant when we signed him. He just, and, um, broke his foot which is a bummer. Never got to see him do a spring ball and came in and got beat up by, as everyone likes to say, a linebacker. So you think like, all right, that guy's, he's just going to ride the bench, maybe do a Brugman and transfer out and just, we'll never hear or see or hear from him again, but give the guy credit. He just clearly wants to play football and he's doing everything he can to get himself on the field. And uh, I, I'd like to see him getting more touches. It was nice to see him get a little touchdown pass yeah, that was technically touchdown pass to Logan Jones. So now he's tied on the year for Troy Anderson with one. They each have one <laughs> touchdown pass. My bold prediction of a touchdown pass from Troy Anderson 
failed, but uh, <laughs> it, it would have been even more bold if I said Johnson, I guess. But um, so, but you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm impressed with his dedication and determination. I love that block. You could, I texted you when it happened. I was like, holy cow, that's a, that was a great block by Johnson downfield to spring off Anze for that big long touchdown run. I think that was the play of the game for me. Yeah, I mean, I love those kind of efforts. I love. I remember there was a few years ago it was Weber State. It was the Sean Johnson era, and I think it may have been like T. Salanoa or one of those tight ends who just ran downfield, and like I think it was Elvis Ackblow was streaking down the sideline and the, just a block downfield just leveled him. You just you just love seeing that kind of stuff. You just love seeing the hustle plays to get the block because that's just selfless, and you just gotta love it. But um, and Jock Way, like uh. You know, he he was kind of – I think he was a three-star recruit, so not even necessarily out of the realm of guys we would get because we get lots of – plenty amount of three-star recruit these days. Um, sat out a year. So you're wondering, like, well, he's dedicated. He wants to come play. But, you know, a guy transferred from Virginia Tech, can't even play, has to go do some of his own schooling, like how much of an impact he's going to make. And – pretty much been the best safety we've had in a few years. <laughs> like he's just, he's on another level. He's not real big necessarily. He's not real fast, but he's, you he can just tell he's a different, different kind of player than we were used to seeing in the big sky. I think the just thing, different kind of athlete. Yeah. I think the thing that impresses me is from the outside. And obviously I'm not in the, I'm not in the locker room, but they seem to have bought in to what it, it means to be a Montana State Bobcat. And that's just what, as a as an alum, as a, as a man who's invested um, a lot of time into Montana State, that's what makes me most proud. And I think, gosh, you know, when I listen to Choate, um, like on his pressers, I buy into Choate. That guy just excites me as a guy. I just, I find a certain his demeanor just to be calm, but at the same time, just powerful and exciting. And man, I, I could see why players would love to play for him. I keep thinking like, you know, I have two sons and I'm like, man, if they were to grow up and play college football, I would love for them to play for a man like Jeff Choate. <laughs> it's even more impressive that they're buying into the culture as transfers. Cause that's, that, I mean, you find that even less transfer comes in and just kind of use it as, all right, or even like this isn't the the level I'm used to playing at, so I'm not even going to give it my whole effort. Or I'm just here to try and work my way into NFL tryout or something. But uh, those two guys, they're playing like they've been here the whole time, and that they're just diehard Montana State guys, and you got to love that. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you want to spend any more time on the Cal Poly game? I was kind of wondering if we wanted to kind of grade out any positions. I thought the Secondary, um, I want to talk a bit about secondary, I guess. We don't have to grade their position, but secondary didn't play as well as I was hoping they would. Um, Cal Poly dropped a touchdown pass. Like in, uh, the, the secondary was burned, and they hit him right in the hands, and he dropped it. Do you remember that play? Yeah, but Thorny, what are you expecting? I mean, they run the same couple plays over and over, and they're keen in on the run, they're keen in on the run, they're keen in on the run. It's, it's what they're going to do. I mean, this happens all the time when we play Cal Poly. You can't just stick to those guys as glue because you have to be there on run support. It's not surprising that the Cal Poly receivers were open. It doesn't surprise me at all. 
Imp, I thought we had the best dudes we've had in the secondary for man-to-man coverage, and I thought we could just even limit any of those kinds of plays. Like, you take that play away, like, or if you give him that play, and it's a different outcome, it's a different game, different stat line. So, just and he was wide open by a mile. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I, I thought we could shut it down a little bit better than we did. Uh, not that we did bad necessarily. I don't know. I just, I was expecting a little bit more out of there. Um, I thought the defensive line played great, but um, gosh, our outside linebackers are just killing us. <laughs> so, okay, and that's what I was thinking. I was just waiting for you to pause there because I think it's the outside linebackers that caused us to to have our corners and our nickelbacks, or we didn't even play any nickelbacks, but our corners, our secondary, to, to have the run support <laughs> that we needed to. So if we had stronger, I mean, if we had Mac Pignell, I, I, he covered so many, he was one of the best players I've ever seen. But if we had players anywhere close to Big Nell's status, I think you're looking at a secondary who has different assignments in that game. True. No, we just don't have – it's like we don't even – it would be nice to have a playmaker of Mac Mel, Big Nell's uh, caliber, but, you know, he's – not a generational player necessarily, but he, he, guys like those don't come along that often. Yeah, and um, we don't even have like a a production out of the guys that we need them to have anywhere close. Like we don't need, like I said, like that playmaker is going to get fifteen, ten tackles for loss out of that position. But we can't have guys just getting torched all over the place who you can't even really rely on to be in run support or to be in to be in their gaps, like where they're supposed to be. Yeah, and and teams have been picking on them all year, and they're just going to continue to do so. It's like uh, I expect Northern Colorado to do it. I expect Montana to do it. Uh, I just don't know how we. Should, I mean, at this point, there's nothing you can really do. Get Chapman back as healthy as he can. Um, that's what else can you do? You just got to play with the guys you have left. I mean, you could always move a really good quarterback into linebacker position, but that's, <laughs> that's crazy talk. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to put our quarterback in the linebacker position. We would never do something like no. that. No, no, you don't ever want to switch positions except you do. Joe <laughs> does it all the time. What but, do you um, think about that? So uh, uh, circle back around to that comment I had about um, Brooks Duanis. And so, it, you and I, completely amateurs, conjecturing amateur thoughts on football and as fans. <laughs> but if you really want to listen to good analysis, you know, listen to uh, Brooks and Coulter yep. on their Big Sky Breakdown. Highly recommend. And Brooks is, in the last two, <laughs> last two weeks, has not hold back. And I love it. And I... To the point where an outside viewer might think he's being uh, overly critical. I think it's just brute honesty. And uh, and a lot of things he's saying, not everything, but a lot of things he's saying, I really agree on. One of the things uh, he mentioned last week was uh, Choate's propensity to play uh players in multiple positions and not allowing them to, uh, you know, keep in a position where they can learn it and, and grow and develop. I was going to, I was interested on what you thought about that. 
Well, we've kind of touched on player development. Um, at least I think we have, maybe not on the podcast, but I know we've talked on the phone or texted about it before. And I don't know if we ever really pinpointed any sort of reason why it's like the player development, like, has he taken a guy who's just a scrawny little walk on and taken him to like an all American status? Like that's an extreme example, but have you seen players just get better and better and better? Like in some cases, I mean, I don't know. I just haven't seen the player development that I was, you would think you'd want to see. And could that be part of the reason? Is it because he keeps swapping guys out? Cause he thinks everybody as Brooks says is plug and play. Like you just, even on the offensive line, we keep switching guys out like left guard, right guard, right tackle. Those are very different positions. You can't just expect a guy to, I know, I guess Jason McIndoe was also huge on being, uh, though he's a big fan of having a guy who could play any position on the line. So I guess we've been rolling that for a while. I don't know. That's just, I, I see that point and I can't really argue it. Like you want a guy who has natural talent at a position who's like built like that position just to focus on that position and be the best that position it can be and not just plugging them in where we need because we have a hole for some reason because a recruiting gap or an injury or something. Well, I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle between plug and play and situational football. And what I mean by that is when Choke came in, I don't want to say the cupboards were bare. Um, from the Ash era, but he kind of felt like it was, you know, and we played a lot of young guys. And I just think at, when you're playing a lot of young guys and you're depending on a lot of young guys, you're doing anything you really can to be, to feel the competitive team. And so what does he go out and do? Um, he knows what he has. And so he goes out and recruits, as Joe would say, all the high school quarterbacks in the world uh, and tries to develop them into uh, these positional players. Well, where are they going to develop if they played quarterback? <laughs> I guess you need to try them out in a little bit. What I'm getting to is I think we have a little bit more stability now. And I think you will start to see Choate uh, play those players in their design positions and not see as much um, fluctuate, fluc- um changing within uh, positions. And I, I will think you will start to see more of these players develop point in case like Keaton Anderson, he's starting to come on. I think Brandon Conkle is another guy you can look at who has developed into um, a really nice player. So I don't think it's absent of examples for when we talk about has he developed a player? I just think we're such a young program underneath him that we haven't seen the fruits of his labor yet. No, and that's a good point. Um, I could I could see that side of the argument, but um, he needs to, outside of player development, he needs to figure out what we're going to be on the offensive side of the ball. And, and that's that goes back to player development too. Like we need to have specialists on that side, on the offensive line, uh, quarterback, receivers, like. Travis Johnson's doing admirably at receiver, but uh, you don't think we could find a guy who has honed his craft at the wide receiver position a little bit better than Travis Johnson. It's just like, and that all goes back to the culture. Like, what are we trying to do on offense? We can't even get players in the position that they should be playing or we're 
trained to play for their whole careers up until this point. You just we need to figure out what we're doing on offense. I think a lot a lot of that stems on that. No doubt. Like, do you think Choate wants Trenton at quarterback? I don't, but no, I hundred <laughs> percent don't think he does. On um, and going forward next year, I'm. 100% convinced Troy Anderson will not play quarterback. Me too. Agreed. No matter what anybody says on the board and whatever, like, you know, screw that. Like, I, I don't I don't believe that for one second in my life. And another thing I'm going to predict is I think Matt Miller is going to be our offensive coordinator going forward. Unless he has two terrible games in the next uh, two games that we're, we're playing. Given what I've seen uh, and just the way Choke thinks of Matt Miller – I think he's going to be it. I think you're right. Um, unless Choate can use his connections to land like a fairly high-profile, experienced offensive coordinator, I think, uh, barring, like you said, any just horrible performances on offense for the remainder of the season, which I don't see, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Miller be the guy next year. So, and I've been, I've been impressed and we've I've seen some growth as as our play calling goes but we're still doing some head scratching things like you said having trainers and throw that pass having them take some deep drops it's just like it's like why can't there's no reason that we shouldn't be just rushing on first down pretty much most of the time with war how our offense is built yeah i agree with that it's not exciting football but second and seven is better than second and twelve. You know, but for every one of those two or three head-scratching plays that um, has come underneath the Matt Miller offense, there's been way more positive plays and uh, sequences that I've been really impressed by. You know, game planning for a, a quarterback, when you have a quarterback like Troy Anderson, is very I – would, I, would, I would assume it's hard because what what is Troy's skills except for running the ball? <laughs> How do you get him into passing plays? And I think Matt Miller has done a nice job getting some easy passing plays for him to go. And we've seen the reemergence of uh, our tight ends, you know, Curtis Amos and uh, Wilson Brought. Did I say the right one? <laughs> is it Mitch? You did. Yeah, yeah, yeah Mitch, Mitch is the lineman. <laughs> okay. Wilson's the, yeah. yeah, he had a nice catch for a rumble as he was like tripping forward. I thought I was going to get just – just crushed because he basically was tripping into two defenders and <laughs> got leveled. But uh, yes, he caught a ball. So yeah, it's nice to see a tight end uh, more involved. Shout out to Curtis Amos. He's my favorite player on this, this team. Probably the most unheralded player. Like he's gotten a few, few shout outs on the board, but he's out there just, just destroying people week <laughs> after week. Gosh, he's so fun to watch. <laughs> the guy just, when he comes off the fullback position, just, just tearing out, and I love watching him just block guys. He's just—I was hoping so much he would have caught that ball last week. But <laughs> I know if any if any guy on the offense deserves to catch a touchdown, like come on, Curtis Amos, get that guy a touchdown. But right, it's probably not going to happen. He's just going to have to be happy, just just mowing people over, paving the way for <laughs> others, <laughs> doing it with a smile on his face. That's right. Hey, let's talk a little bit about uh, Northern Colorado, and then let's get into. Uh, the bold predictions and over and unders. All right. Sounds good. So one of the things I was looking at Northern Colorado, I went through all their games yesterday and I, <laughs> the thing that stood out to me is they have not played a, they have not had a bye week 
Where did yeah. that last game? Yeah. yeah so this, uh, yeah, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, and they have their buy the last week of the season. I was like, how shitty is that? Like, how do you get in that position? Is that their, uh, is that who makes that decision? Is that, that made no sense to me. No, that's, I mean, the big, I think the big guy sketched the uh, schedules, the conference schedule. Um, I don't know. I don't know how it works to be honest with you, but I, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Or I can't, can't recall any times where a team's just, well, we're not playing the last week of the season. It's bye week. <laughs> yeah. Go home. It's almost like, you know, uh, we're going to schedule this because we think we're going into the playoffs. And you're like, yeah. And then you realize you're Northern Colorado. <laughs> yeah. No, if you're a top 10 team, that's pretty sweet. Get a few weeks off before the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Northern Colorado, not really the strategy there. Just get the guys home in time for finals or whatever. <laughs> well, they're coming in uh, with a record of two and eight. They did have two back-to-back wins, one against uh, Northern Arizona, which they hung it to them 42 to 14. And then and they, they had like 12 guys suspended for that game or something like that. Who, was, Northern was Arizona sus- or uh, Northern Colorado? I think they both did. I think both teams suspended a whole bunch of players. It was like the suspension bowl. <laughs> okay, so then throw that one out the window. But then they <laughs> before that, they beat uh, a somewhat decent Portland State team at 35. Oh, no, excuse me. That was the loss, 35-14. <laughs> uh, no, they beat Southern Utah, one of the – Probably the worst team in the conference. Uh, with the- How did Southern Utah go from – didn't they win the conference last year just to being complete a mess? I don't understand that big a drop-off. That goes back to uh, the very first – the, the bye week episode we have Driscoll Cat. Like culture, program, that's not a program. That's just they hit, they hit gold with a few players, and now you're seeing the result of those players leaving the program. That's a tough one, though, because you're, you're dealing with the Mormon mission – complex with like are you going to get guys back and so i don't know how you i don't know maybe go look at weaver how are, how are they doing it look at byu but that's a weird one to me it it can be done but uh clearly not southern utah right now but yeah uh northern colorado has won two out of the last three games right yeah so and <laughs> the thing that always makes me the first two of the season it makes me almost laugh now is like listening to Choate every time he introduces the upcoming opponent you would think he would be talking about uh, like NDSU or like the New England Patriots like perennial just powerhouses because every time he if if you just like come in right before he says the team's name and you just listen to him describe the players you're like, there's no way. There's no way we can win this game. <laughs> like, they're obviously elite in every no, he position. Said, he said Northern Colorado has one of the best front sevens that they faced all year. <laughs> yeah. And that might be true. I'm, I have no clue. But he says that, I think, like all the time. Like, he does. Every week he's like, oh, my gosh. And you look at their linemen. You look at, you look at their linebacker course. You look at their safeties. And he'll just he'll start listing the numbers. And he know you know he's just like geeked out on every one of these players, and he knows all their stats. But man, he he admittedly tells himself he goes, okay, you know, I, I by Monday I'm convinced there's no way we can beat these guys by middle of the week. I know, <laughs> you know, I yeah. think we might have a chance. <laughs> but and that surely comes across in his Monday pressers. It just makes me laugh. Well, yeah, so. 
I don't know. This to me kind of has the makings of a classic trap game. I don't like, see it. I don't even believe it. You take that well, back. It's their last game of the season, so they're going to want to go out with the win. Uh, there's, oh, I mean, you never want to talk about it, and then everyone says they're not going to. But Cacarys is the following week. It's pretty easy to overlook a, t- a team that's two and two and uh, eight or wherever they are right now. So I don't know. Uh, I think that their defense kind of matches our offense. Their rushing defense is their, uh, <laughs> if you can call it a strength, they're only seventh in rushing defense. But I did look at the stats. They've given up the most rushing touchdowns in the conference. 30. They've given up 30 rushing touchdowns, which is uh, – not good. That's, that's bad. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> They've also um, given up 43 sacks. 43. Do you know what the second worst team sack total is? Like 22. So they've, they've been sacked twice as much as the next worst team to have been sacked. That was an awkward statement. But do you know what I mean? I do. So I like our, I don't know, their, their rushing defense is going to be their strength. If, if, if Choate says that their front um, seven is their strength, um, I could see us having a little bit harder time than we'd like to see us moving the ball. Like it's easy to look at a team and just think they're, they're hot garbage, but football is all about matchups and um, they're kind of, I would almost call them like a Weber light in how they are defensively. I like that analogy. Weber light. <laughs> So one thing that does make me think this is going to be a trap game is the fact that if we win this game, we will have the first winning record we will have had in three years. And well, that's a that's a monkey on the back, though. Those aren't always easy to get off. Well, here's the deal. Um, in, in the pressure today, Cho was fully aware of that, and he said, um, I, "Somebody asked him about this being a trap game, and he said, no. And he's like, this these guys have my full attention, and don't you." once think that this won't be brought up uh, with the team he's like this will be uh, um, this will be I can't remember what he said but it's going to be at a point of importance to the team this this week so I'm not too worried about that I don't think it's going to be trap game like we had to worry with Kramer's teams <laughs> uh, and with the Ash teams so I'm not too worried about this one that's true I mean traditionally at least under Choate um We've beaten pretty much everyone that we were expected to, be, to beat for the most part. So I don't know. I just, you, you never know. I don't think it's going to be a loss. I, I wanted to touch on this. Um, so Idaho State, Cal Poly, two straight games where we've given up a 90 yard plus touchdown drive. Ah, we got to stop. We can't let Northern Colorado do that because they, they throw the ball, so it's less, and they don't run. They don't run it very well, so it's maybe less likely to happen. But we gotta, we gotta calm down a few more times than that. And I don't want to see Northern Colorado sustain any big long drives like that. Eat up the clock, ninety yards touchdown. We can't let that happen. No, it just seems like when that happens too, like we just go in this lull for a good quarter. You know, after that. It just seems like it, we don't bounce back from these like negative plays very often. Uh, that seems that's typified this team this year for me is like when bad things happen, it kind of snowballs and it takes us a while to break out of it. We don't have the I don't know if it's mental fortitude or it just seems 
typical for us this year. No, and you can look back to the Weaver game where after um, Jenks had that injury, they came out and just marched right down the field, like just throwing the ball right all, all over us. Like what were, happened to us? Like it's like the defense just kind of, I don't want to say they take some plays off, but they just kind of stop making plays there for a little bit. And that's happened a few times this year where we had those lapses. So we need the defense to be focused for four quarters. They need to bring their A game the whole time. Um, do you know anything about uh, Tyrell Thomas's status? He was – did he play Cal Poly? No, he was on street clothes. Yeah, so I don't know if he's coming back because uh, Berlin, Colorado threw us the ball. And part of that is because they end up getting down by three scores real fast. And that's another thing. We can't let them – we got to jump out on them too because if they get into more kind of what they want to do run the ball, uh, we're going to be in for a slugfest. So – we want to force them to throw the ball because passing defense has been good for us. So we need all of our guys out there. And I, I'm, 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 I have faith that we can do okay without Thomas, but I sure like to see him back in there just for us and for him. Cause he, that guy's competitor too. And he wants to be out there. I, I haven't heard the status on him. Yeah. You know, it seems like our offense is one of our worst uh, factors for our defense, because we seem to rip off these amazing huge plays that end up in scoring it's so fast like we you know Troy Anderson 60 yard run or in Fonse in the last week but we need to sustain drives uh, I mean it's nice to have these runs I mean if we can outrun them that's fine but uh, you know these 10 12 play drives is something we need to you know especially you know not to look forward but you know going next week against the, the Grizzlies that's that's going to be key in that kind of game. So, no, that's been kind of a problem for pretty much since Choke got here, but that's more of a product of like uh, Chris Murray and Troy Anderson type quarterbacks than it, I think it is anything else. But, um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. We either seem to <laughs> score a seven yard touchdown and go three and out. It's gotten better. Um, like I said, this is our second straight week of 20 plus first downs, which is our bringing our average up to like, 17.9 or something so you know we're turning in the right direction but we had 13 um what the live stats program calls chunk plays so like a rushing yard is 10 yards or more uh and a passing chunk play is 15 yards more so we mm-hmm. had 11 rushing ones and two passing ones so we had 13 like big pretty decent sized plays like we're explosive but the problem is that's all we are it's like hit or miss and but i do like how miller's trying to manage that i do like how we're trying to keep things um more sustained but like like you said we can't that that is that is a problem for our defense our time possession um kind of hurts us because we score a touchdown and the defense was just out there just forced to punt three plays later we score a touchdown defense is right back out there Mm mm-hmm uh, that's that's hard, and we have some. Mm-hmm. We have a lot better depth than we've had. So maybe, but uh, it seems like even we're running out of gas at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let's wrap up that, and let's move into our bold predictions and over unders. Do you think we win? <laughs> Just flat out, do you think we win against? <laughs> well, I know you don't like uh, to give any score predictions, superstitions, and all. Uh, just, uh, I do think we win against Northern Colorado. It, you know, it is 
it does have that element of having a trap game. So I'm not 100% confident, but I think I think we do run. I think the fact that we could secure a winning season will be of importance to this team, um, this culture. And I think that's the prize we're going for. So I think, yeah, I think we win this weekend. All right. Well, I do too. And speaking of scoring, um, we had asked Bobcat Nation if anyone wanted to submit questions for uh, an over and under or a bold prediction. And uh, Montana Bob had set the over and under. I believe he means the total scoring over and under at 58 points. He has MSU 48, Northern Colorado 10. Over and under 58 points total scored. What do you think? I'm going to go over. Over 58 total points. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am going to go under on that, actually. Okay. I'm going to go under. That's quite, that's quite a bit of points. We uh, I don't know if we're getting quite the shootout we were just in <laughs> with a triple option team. That's kind of just funny. Um, okay. And let's see. What else do we got here? We have an uh, over and under from 91 Cat alum. He wants to know the number of Bobcat players to take a snap. He said it at 2.5. Went went four against Cal Poly, right? So I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure Johnson will take a snap. I'm pretty certain. Uh, well, obviously Troy Anderson's going to take a snap. Kevin Cassis might take a snap. That's that. He was the fourth. That's right. He did take a snap. He wildcat. So without, if we get up, Bowman's going to go in. So yeah, I'm going over on that one. I'm going to go over as well, but I'm. I'm more afraid it's going to happen because Troy has to come out of the game. Okay. Because he gets dinged up. I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily because we're going to be cruising and we're going to arrest Troy and everyone's going to be like, yeah, Casey Bowman, finally, yeah. I think it's going to be like, oh, Troy pulled a hamstring again. <laughs> Time to bring in uh, whoever the backup is, DeJour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, good point. So either way, either way, over. All right. So, and then – uh Cletus has a bold prediction that the Cats break 50 points. 50 points scored. Just the Bobcats. So that's just a prediction or? Yeah, I'm on to the bold prediction now. Okay. D- done with the over and unders from the board. Okay. <laughs> My bold prediction is that a tight end catches a TD. <laughs> a TD, a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, no. But who throws it? I don't care. Either Curtis Amos or um, Wilson Brott. They're going to catch one. Because my bold prediction from last week is that Troy throws a touchdown pass, which he did not. Uh, who else is going to throw a touchdown pass <laughs> to a tight end? Like Johnson got a touchdown pass because he did that, that little um, pass sweep thing. I don't really know what that officially that play is called. But he just like throw it like just toss it forward and the guy catches it on the run. So I don't know who else throws a touchdown <laughs> pass to a tight end. It's kind of crazy to think, but honestly in my in my heart, it's equal opportunity for Kevin Cassis and Troy Anderson to throw a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost more inclined to think Casey Bowman will throw a touchdown <laughs> than Troy Anderson at this point. There you go. And then my over under was point margin. Uh, over under for final point margin of fourteen. What over? 
So you think, um, given the fact that we, you, you stated that you think we'll win, we're going to win more by more than 14 points? Oh, the margin of victory. Yeah. I guess I should have. Yeah, I'd say that wrong. <laughs> okay, okay. <clears throat> let me let me rethink that. I was like, of course the game's going to have more than 14 points. What's wrong with you? Okay. <laughs> um, over. Okay. Yeah, we'll win by more than 14. What do you got? All right, well, I'm going to go back to what I had been talking about. Over and under, uh, I guess I said it at a .5. 90-yard um, touchdown drives given up by the defense. Zero or more than zero? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go more than zero. You think we give up another 90-yarder? Yeah, I do. I think we do too, as sad as that is. Even against a team like Colorado, I, th- I still think that uh, we had that one lapse. Maybe, it, maybe it's later in the game when the game is already in hand, but I think it does happen. Mm-hmm. My bold prediction Is Ifonze goes over 150. You call that a bold prediction? Yeah. That's weak sauce. I think we'll be up, and I don't think I'll need to go for 150. But no, no. Okay, that's that's not a very good one. How about <laughs> how about we throw for over 100 yards? Ooh. Now there's a bold <laughs> prediction. That's pretty bold. We end up with like 54 against <laughs> Cal Poly. Okay. I like no, that no, one. we did 77. I'm sorry. Troy had 54. The other quarterbacks are like 33 on three attempts. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that one. I do like that one. Yeah, the last one was too easy. You're right. That was too easy. <laughs> well, we're coming down to it, man. It's the last two games of the season. You know, maybe not. Who knows? We an outsider shot to get seven and four and get into playoffs, but I don't even want to speak about that now. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I think this one's a wrap. So, yeah, I mean, kind of what we expect against Cal Poly. Offense did good. Defense did a little bit worse, but the victory is a victory. Not a whole lot to talk about from that game. Um, I think we'll get the win against Northern Colorado and set up a big, big stage for for Cat Chris. Go Cats. Go Cats.